This is Momming While Feminist. Feminist. We're here to have authentic, open-minded, hopeful, and maybe even helpful conversation about being a mom in a world where gender inequality and misogyny are everywhere. We want our parenting decisions to reflect our values as feminists, but that's not easy, so we need to talk about it. Welcome. Welcome. I'm Lisa. And I'm Lindsay. I have two sons, ages five and seven, and a daughter, age two. And I have two daughters, ages three and six. So it's episode four, and we're talking about play. Yep, talking about play. Because we're seeing a lot of it and doing a lot of it with our kids right now while we're uh, home with them. Yes. Even more than before. Um, But first, we want to talk about some comments from some listeners. I'll go first. I'm going to share a comment from one of our listeners who commented on Instagram. She said, hello from Turkey. Before I listened to your podcast, I wanted to answer your question. This is a feminist issue, speaking about uh, self-doubt and moms. This is a feminist issue because there is great pressure on women about motherhood. First, you need to be a mom. After you become a mom, you need to be the perfect mom. And all this sacred motherhood discourse is very harmful because there is no way, one way of motherhood and there is no perfect motherhood. Thank you for that comment. We absolutely agree. You said yes, it absolutely. better than we did. <laughs> yeah, totally nailed it. Totally nailed it. Um, so um, I heard from a listener who was talking um, about the division of labor episode, and I just needed to share her um, solution to all of this, which is instead of trying to think about how we can get our husbands to do more work, we should just be putting more labor on the children, which I just, I kind of actually just thought it was hilarious. Can actually be harder, right? Than like um, doing the labor yourself, like trying to get your kid. But uh, I appreciated that. Like, what about our, our young little, little kids? Yeah, I've heard about families where like the kids take turns cooking meals. So I don't know, maybe one, one day. day. Yeah. Dreams. Anyway, I thought it was a great idea. Yeah. All right. So feminist crush. Lisa, who is your feminist crush this week? Okay. So my feminist crush is quite broad and I'm just going to say my feminist crushes and you reminded me of it uh, last episode is just strong women in novels and some really good fiction to like soothe the soul at night and, um, yeah, just some strong women. I'm reading Outlander right now. I have not seen the show. The show I hear is a little bit, uh, I don't know. People feel different ways about it. Um, nowadays, TV seems to have like a lot of gratuitous rape that I don't really want to watch. Um, but just reading about women just kicking ass always makes me feel great. Well, mine is kind of similar. It's not about novels, but it's about a particular TV show that's out right now um, called uh, Never Have I Ever. Oh, on Netflix. Yeah, I'm dying to watch this. It's Mindy Kaling's new show, and I binged it this weekend. Uh, yeah, I know. It's pretty impressive that I found time for that, but it's amazing. And I love it because for so many reasons, the characters are are complex. So it's featuring, featuring um, female protagonists, female, a mom, a daughter, um, the daughter's friends, and they're um, strong, but like more importantly, they're multidimensional. They're flawed. They have so many different layers to them. Also, the cast is, in, cast is incredibly diverse. There's only one character who's in every episode who's a white person, and everyone else is a range of different races, ethnicities, um, backgrounds. So that's really cool. I love the mom. I love that the, the teenage girl is <laughs> super awkward and awesome um, and taking control of her sexuality. And also, it's okay when she changes her mind. And I just, I, I just love everything about it. So thank you, Mindy Kaling, for creating this show. It has really been the highlight of my, my week. 
Awesome. Awesome. Okay. We're going to be talking about play, like we mentioned, and we're going to share some different ideas and different things we've been thinking about. But I know that I personally can get into a really bad headspace when I hear about everything I should be doing or when I hear about people talking about another thing to think about when I'm thinking about the million other things I think about when raising our kids. So like, for example, parenting books are just a huge trigger for me. Like I read them and I immediately feel like a totally lousy mom. And so I just want to make sure before we get started that if we say that if any point in the podcast, you listener have a moment where you think, oh, I'm not good enough or, oh, I can't take on one more thing. Like just turn us off and go and read a good book, listen to some loud, angry girl music, take a nap, have a cup of tea, take a bath, smooch your babies, whatever you need to do, because that is tired, critically you talking and she needs to get some rest before she talks to you again. Absolutely. I love that, Lisa. Thank you. Also, we wanted to give you a heads up that we are going to be talking about kids turning toys into play weapons in this episode. And so you will hear us talking about um, toy guns, for example. All right. Are you going to quiz me? I am going to quiz you. Yay! I'm getting ready. I'm getting pumped. (laughs) Okay. True or false? Studies show that fathers discourage risk-taking on the playground more so for their daughters than for their sons. But mothers discourage or encourage risk-taking the same for both their sons and their daughters. That just seems like too many details. I'm going to go with false. That is false. That's correct. So basically, oh, the, yes. Yeah. So both mothers and fathers discourage risk-taking yeah. for their daughters mm-hmm. more so than they discourage it for their son obviously not knowing this is subconscious and so um this is some research described in a podcast that i highly recommend um from 2017 a podcast episode of hidden brain it's all about gender from 2017 it's really fantastic and we'll include a link in the show notes and basically how it describes a few studies where um they monitored mothers and fathers at the playground or during during play and um and in both cases both mothers and fathers um are discouraged. Um, so for example, there was a, a ramp where they, the parent could adjust the steepness of the like slope that the kid was crawling down. And so they made it higher for the boys and lower for the girls. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So that's the first one. So because we I'm were already talking- feeling anxious. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's- no, I'm already like, I'm just saying, you know, if you're out there listening and also had a moment where you're like, would I have adjust the slope? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Question two, true or false. Over the last few decades, girls have started to play increasingly less with female typed toys. So toys that are typically associated with, um, Oh, definitely. No, no, no. I feel like, no, no, that's actually true. So (gasps) there was, (laughs) you got the first one, right? So um, toys are more stereotyped than ever. Yeah. Well, this study... And I read that somewhere too, I think. I don't know. What do I know? Okay. Well, you know, you can probably find one study, you, and especially on gender, you can find one study that proves the opposite of what another study did. But this one out of the um, University of London, published in 2017, was a meta-study of like 16 um, studies over the last few decades and found that, um, yeah, over time, girls are, are playing less with female-typed toys over the last few decades. So oh, it's wow. less common for them to be playing with, with toys that are, you know, that are typically associated with girls. So they still do, but not as much as they did, you know, 20 years ago. 
Good idea. And the same study also found that as boys get older, they have, they're more likely to play with toys typed to their gender. So it increases as they get older. They play with gender stereotypical toys um, increasingly as they get older. It brings up this question though. I said, that's nice. You know, like, I guess it's good that girls aren't playing with, you know, toys just for their gender, but it brings up this question of like, do we want girls to be playing more like boys or do we want boys to be playing more like girls? And I mean, it's probably neither of those, right? We just want yeah. everybody to be themselves. Well, and, we'll talk about that. Right. But, but you yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. It's a good question. Mm. There, this, this study, their conclusion was that um, as there has been a greater emphasis on gender equality, that um, these female type toys are less pushed on girls than they were in the past. Um, okay, next question. True or false? Both boys and girls prefer to play with dolls over cars at when they are at age 12 months, according to one study. 12 months. I'm going to say false. Um, well, according to this study, it's true. So this was published in March 2010, um, published in Archives of Sexual Behavior Journal, but looked at 120 infants aged 12, 18, and 24 months and found that at 12 months, both girls and boys preferred dolls to cars. But this changed as the boys got older. Um, so as they got older, they showed a preference for cars. And the study concluded, I don't know if this is correct or not, that the preference of young boys for dolls over cars suggests that older boys' avoidance of dolls may be acquired. Right. But, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, I have a two-year-old now, just turned two. I feel like I've already blacked out what it was like when she was 12 months old. But 12-month-olds, do yeah. they even know what difference? Are they just like, this doll is soft, therefore I prefer it to a hard car? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because, yeah, so I just, one of the things that I read about was that, um, like, they, th there have been many studies where they have even even like across cultures and across like species like gender differences in play have persisted and that if they adjust hormones in certain animals the animals will play with different toys yeah so it really i mean it I begs this question that i've been really grappling with i mean i think this is what the whole episode is going to be about which is how much of this is learned behavior and how much of this is biological well the the I don't think I, mean, I don't think we're going to be able to answer all of that in this one episode. I highly recommend that podcast I shared before because one of the main co concepts that come out of this is the idea of neuroplasticity um, and how your brain adjusts your brain your brain adjusts to the environment in which you which you are in. So it's just really hard to tell what is learned and what is not. Right. Um, I also don't think, and I, and this is what I want to talk about, is that uh, to a certain extent. From in my opinion, it doesn't matter, and we can get to this. But I'll share one one of the takeaways from one of these studies that I quoted. Um, so it finds that children do overwhelmingly choose toys typed to their gender. Therefore, it is important that we ensure that toys that are attractive to each gender, each sex, are not restrictive in the skills that they afford, so that all children can learn from play and not miss out on the associated benefits for their development. Which oh, is well, basically yes. like this doesn't even really matter. Who cares if girls are more likely to play with dolls or whatnot? What matters it's, it's, is the skills that they're learning from that. Um, right. Because there has been a book written, which I can find, where a woman studied girls playing with dolls 
and found that they were playing out some of the same like superhero stories that we really attribute to boys with a good versus evil battle right. kind of save the world. The girls were playing that out just in like a different form with their dolls. Right. That, that like basic function of play, which is to kind of interpret the world, feel powerful in a world, that those still were present regardless of the toy that both genders were, were yeah. making it happen. I think one of the things we're getting from every single quiz is that it's really complicated. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It is complicated. So let's talk about it, what it's like in our houses. So I have a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and a seven-year-old, and we're uh, staying at home. So, right, so they're doing a lot, a lot of play. We only do instruction, like homeschooling, if you want to call it that, most like two hours a day, tops. And so the rest of that time is spent playing. And sometimes that time is spent playing with us, but a huge amount of it is spent playing completely by themselves. And my kids are really good at playing by themselves. They didn't used to be, but they really are now. And it's because they have each other. So Nathaniel and Miles will play either one of three things, Legos, Beyblades, or um, Pokemon for hours and hours and hours every day. And they're always enacting out some kind of battle of good versus evil, but interspersed with things that have like happened in their life. So like maybe they'll also have a picnic or maybe they'll also like have a birthday party, whatever happens to be on their mind. They are often acting out things they watched in a television show because my kids are also watching like an hour of TV now every day that they never used to watch. So they're often like playing out those shows and they love like the funny phrases. They love when like a character calls another character stupid or like chicken brain. They just think that is like so funny. And they're like trying all of that on and I can watch them hang out on. To me, it doesn't seem very different than what I did with Barbies. Like I spent hours, I was an only child. I spent hours alone in my big playroom with a green carpet playing out scenarios with like the good Barbie and the bad Barbie and the good boyfriend and the bad boyfriend and like really intricate relationship dynamics mm. that I was playing out. So it doesn't seem very different. I feel like the fighting component of it, like the fact that the Legos are playing with our ninjas, the fact that the Pokemon battle, even the Beyblades, which are spinning tops, break each other open. <laughs> um, it really gets to me and I think it's why I was just so defensive in your quiz <laughs> actually <laughs> because I want to think that maybe some of this is innate and that I can't do anything about it and I don't want to do anything about it like I I don't want to like criticize their play or try to shape their play constantly all the time I want to do it a little bit um, but it feels a little bit like a rejection of who they are when I do that. It's, it's really hard to figure it out. So for us, I have, um, two girls ages three and six. Um, and one of the things that I've, that has an, a positive of coronavirus is I feel like that has improved their, uh, their ability to play by themselves, which is great. Um, 
So the main thing, the they're just they're really into pretend play right now um, in two different ways. Um, and this is mainly Caroline. I'll talk about Amelia kind of goes along with it. I'll talk about her in a second. But for Caroline, it's pretend, it's either like pretend doctor or pretend teacher. Um, two things she wanted for Christmas this year was a like massive doctor set, not just like the stethoscope, but like the prescription and the like bottle. Oh pills yeah. And, like, I got one of those. As a kid. Yeah. It was she like the, it, I still remember it as the best gift I ever got. Yeah. She has it set up in her room. Um, and it's, uh, yeah. So playing doctor or like playing teacher or, or setting up a store or pretend library. So things like that. Or we're really into magical stuff right now. So magical creatures like witches or fairies, mm -hmm. mermaids, superheroes, Dragon. um, dragons, um, uh, things like that. Really, especially fairies right now, which is really cool um, because they like build fairy houses outside, which is really awesome. Um, yeah, they are adorable. <laughs> and then, um, and then. And also like, and I think this goes along with it, like building forts and like building like random houses all over the, yeah. all over the place. So those are the main, that, that's, that's the big one. Um, and Caroline will also spend a lot of time doing arts and crafts, just like making things. Um, she has a sewing kit. Sometimes she'll go to her sewing kit. So those are her main, she does have some dolls that she, and, and stuffed animals that she incorporates into her pretend play. Um, Amelia, over the last few months, her will play with her she has for her frozen dolls that she will play with so Elsa Anna and Kristoff and Kristoff is her favorite that she will play with by herself for forever and this is new and it's hard to tell my mom was saying that she thinks it's kind of linked to the isolation of coronavirus like those are her friends because this is very new that she's have had has this obsession mm -hmm. um, before that she would um, she was also into like figurines and dolls um, so it included some dolls, but also like PJ masks. She loves PJ masks, um, superheroes and things like that. And then um, with coaxing from us, they'll play, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with like we have train sets and race cars and we get that stuff out, they'll play with it, but it's not usually something they go to um, immediately. And if we leave it out, they'll play with it on, on and off. But yeah, so that's kind of what, what play looks like over here. So what wow. about, what about, you mentioned uh, rough play when they're playing with like their Lego figures and stuff like that, then they're doing like fighting. Is that right? Well, so the Lego figures are fighting, okay. but, but also they do like wrestling and they just do a lot of like, like just the way that they interact with my husband and I and each other is very physical. Like yeah. when my son comes to greet me, he jumps on my back. Yeah. It's like a tackle. It's not a hug. Um, and when he, when they're having a dance party, they inevitably like kick each other and it's constant. I think I worry about it just because we are in a world where like men are incredibly violent, especially towards women. And that's like acceptable. So I'm like putting an extra weight on rough and tumble play because I have sons and like, I feel like I feel a little bit of like, that pressure that we talked about in the last episode, that pressure that the listener was mentioning about like what motherhood should be where, you know, you hear about um, some college kid, you know, doing something incredibly violent. And it's like, this is why we need to raise our boys a certain way, you know? And it, of course it's like, just like heap on that pressure on, on mothers. I don't know. I have really complicated feelings. So I have to say that. And again, maybe it's not to the same extent, but a lot of the things you're, you're describing remind me of Caroline. 
too. Like she, the whole like jumping on you, like she jumps on us all over. She loves to wrestle. And she, and so she has a special time when she gets to wrestle with her dad. Cause I do not like wrestling. I do not, I'm very picky about being touched. Um, and she and Amelia will wrestle sometimes too, but that's, but Amelia's not into it as much, but they will do it sometimes. And, and maybe it's not to the extent that, that, that boys do or whatnot, but they definitely like to wrestle. You're trying to tell me it's not about gender. It's just about personality perhaps. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, again, that it's complex. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it is temperate temperament. Um, and that's just been what I've seen. And again, I don't have boys, so I don't have anything to compare it to in terms of my own experience. But um, I find that because like, Caroline loves dressing up in princess dresses and whatnot, it's very easy to like typecast her into this certain that she's fitting into all these gender stereotypes. And yet she also will pick out from one of these um, Tinkerbell movies, she picks out the character Nix, who is the woman. So I love Tinkerbell movies because there's so many, I love them for many reasons, but like the, the tink, the fairies that are responsible for taking, for like security and safety are all women and they're like badass. Um, and so she takes on her role and like she uses a stick to defend herself. And then she turns like everything, <laughs> any sort of stick that they, we, they could find like this hobby horse thing, they'll turn that into this weapon. And then they like try and fight each other with it. <laughs> and um, because they're trying to be Nick. So like, I just feel like it's, it's complex. Um, well, and it comes back to something like hearing you talk is like so much of this has nothing to do with my actual kids and has everything to do with like, all the weight, all the pressure, all of like society that I'm, I'm trying to shoulder and carry because I don't know. Do you feel like you'd react differently if it was a, if you saw a male do that? I, I mean, I can't answer that because it's hypothetical. I have no idea. I don't know what it would be like to, to have. Yeah. I, I mean, know. even when Rosie hits me, I, I react differently than when Nathaniel hits me. I mean, yeah. Honest. No, I, I, I definitely sympathize, empathize with what you're saying. I just don't want to pretend like I can. Yeah, yeah. Because but I like, don't know what it's like. Yeah. Which isn't really fair to Nathaniel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That I'm already coming at it being like, I'm concerned about your to- toxic masculinity. Yeah. No, like, it's hard. Not really fair. But then again, like it does bother me. So. I mean, I, I was talking to a few people about this to get advice for this episode because I knew that you and I had like kids who were on the young side and one of my friends, she has boys who are nine, 11 and 13, all boys. And she and I were talking and I was saying, what is the balance between like, let's say your kid really loved to swim. You'd sign them up for swimming lessons, but you also wouldn't let them like only swim. You'd be like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, you got to do a few other things. Like, we're going to broaden your world a smidge. I, I'm glad you like swimming, but the world is a little bit wider. And it's just hard to know that balance between, like, how much of this is like, I'm going to just let you be who you are, and I'm going to try to shape it. And the thing that she said to me that was so amazing, she was like, well, be who you are. And I thought she was talking about the kids. I was like, you mean just let them? And she was like, no, 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 Lisa, you be who you are. Like the universe gave you to those kids for a reason and she gave those kids to you for a reason. And like, if they're playing in a way that you're not comfortable with, then you're not comfortable. 
and that's okay. Like, be who you are. And sorry, I'm getting choked up. I mean, that's like kind of crazy. That's like the opposite of the messages that yeah. I've been trying to parse through. Yeah. So I did really like that. And it changed the way, like, the boys were playing dance on the couch and they were hitting each other. And I was like, I don't like this. Like, forget gender. Like, I don't want to get hit. I don't want you to hit your sister. Just stop. And I actually don't even care if this is your innate biology. Yeah. You're not allowed to hit people. Yeah. We're not not hitting right now. And some days I have more patience for it. And then I'm like, okay, go ahead. Try not to hit. Because I do think that they are learning to hit and not hurt. Yeah. And I was reading, I mean, I was reading incessantly about it in preparation for this. Like, there are real benefits to that kind of play. And like, there are many studies that show that like kids who roughhouse end up being like better socially adjusted. Yeah. Because they learn to like read other people's signals. The consent piece is huge. And making sure that if you are doing play fighting, that everyone knows is consenting to that and, and feels like it is actually play. And as soon as it crosses that line, that's when it needs to stop. Yeah. I've tried it's to just communicate. so much work. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially when one child wants to do more of that than the other, which is what which I is what I know we have. Well, and like the amount of times I've heard myself saying to one of two things, either I said I don't want to be touched, I don't want to be touched. Yeah. The amount of time I have to say that and then the amount of time I have to be like so and so said they don't want to play. Yeah. They don't want to play. But like I mean, just aside from our children for a second, like it's a little bit harrowing to have to explain that you don't want to be touched that many times. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I will just say that one thing that I I often hear people say, like, no matter what, if if you don't give a boy a gun, he's going to find a way to pretend to, like, make pointers and pretend that he's fighting. I've heard The thing is, I've seen that with my kids, too. I mean, I remember when Amelia was, like, pretending to shoot stuff. And I'm like, where is this coming from? (laughs) Yeah. So So you buy that, you think. Not, it's not just for boys. Right, 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 right. Totally. I think kids. Well, so along um, those lines, um, one of our friends, um, mm-hmm. I one time like saw her at uh, another child's birthday party, like pull her kid aside to have a conversation where she was clearly telling the child, like, we don't allow guns in our house and there are no guns. And he um, had like picked up a gun or like a play water gun or something gun adjacent. I don't know what it was. And this was actually a really freeing experience for me. Like I saw her and I was like, oh, she just like made this rule. And she actually doesn't care if it's with other people's house. She doesn't care if it's his natural tendency to like make a weapon out of anything. She just, she does have like, she just has some things that are not going to be allowed. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting because it goes back to what my friend told me about just, like, be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that, too. Um, and it's okay. It's, it is okay to say, in our house, we're never going to have blank. Yeah. Yeah, I like that, too. And I remember seeing that friend do the same thing. And, and we adopted a similar, you know, no guns. We don't play guns in this house. And then we went and showed our kids Star Wars and Caroline. <laughs> so much shooting in this. Why are you showing this movie? I thought we were opposed to guns. And well, and were you, awkward. like... That's, I'd be like, that's some really, really, really good noticing. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Yeah. For being reflective on your society. Uh, Yeah, that was uh, a little bit of a 
hypocritical uh, feeling of hypocrisy there, but. But that's okay. I mean, yeah. good for her to yeah. point it out and you can have a conversation about it. I mean, so now my sons will, um, so they will, they'll try to sneak the guns in their Lego sets. Like they'll try to keep them, but they'll also, I would say as often be like, mom, I found this gun in the Lego set. Let's throw it away. Mm. Like, so, you know, so you're like, yeah. Um, I have this really distinct memory, uh, well, because my mother would not let me, and I promise this goes back to toys in some way. My mom would not let me shave my legs until I was 16. This was just a rule. I was not allowed to shave my legs. And of course, this is much later than other people. And it became a huge fixation for me. And which is something that a lot of people say, right? Like as soon as you ban something, it becomes a fixation. That's why I mention it. It's true that it became a fixation for me. I shaved like one inch of one leg before I turned 16 and it was like a really dramatic event. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm now very grateful to her. It sticks out in my mind as such a distinct thing and I now no longer shave my legs. I wish I never had. And it created so much conversation. It taught me so much. It changed mm. my thinking around beauty and yeah. what women do to be beautiful so dramatically like yeah. I, I I grew up my whole life like knowing I felt differently about makeup and that sort of thing than other girls yeah um That's cool and so I think like yes can we there's an argument about like you can really create um like some fascination where fascination doesn't need to be by putting your foot down but I think you can also put your foot down judiciously and it's yeah. okay to like draw some boundaries. Yeah. So I mentioned Amelia's obsessed with her frozen dolls and plays with them all the time. And at mm -hmm. first we were always playing that Kristoff was lost in the woods, which is like a scene, his song that he sings and she's obsessed with. Right. Um, but more recently it's much more of this like conflict type stuff where, and it's Kristoff and Anna versus Elsa and Sven <laughs> and like, and Kristoff and, 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 and she's somehow incorporated shooters into her, her story. <laughs> this is making me feel better about and my I, violent and, children. And I'm not sure where exactly that came from. Um, and we thought it was the soldiers from Frozen, but she keeps using the word, and we kept trying to correct her. Um, but the one thing I have learned and in, in is um, because we do this child-led ther play therapy with Caroline, and she's been in this uh -huh. child-led play therapy and where and the therapist has taught us how to do this child-led play where you kind of have like a very set space and set time where the child um gets to choose to play however they want with very few limitations so the limitations is we just don't we don't hurt hurt people and other limitations that and she told us that you're comfortable with so she's like in her in her therapy place she if they turns she doesn't have any guns but if they turn something into a gun she lets them um, play that way but she says if you don't feel comfortable doing that don't do that which is basically what you were just saying like be who you are right um, but but so she kind of left it up to us so as we've started doing this with Amelia and creating that space for her to do this child-led play I've kind of let her go with that um, just to see where it's to see where it's going there is some of this like conflict and like good and evil and like that that comes out even when my kids are playing with princess dolls. Right. So. Yeah. Oh, I think that that's totally true. So I've become a little less concerned with the Ninjago. Although if I could go back and do it again, I would have put those things off a little bit longer. 
Hmm. Like I did not teach my kids about Ninjago. Someone else taught my kids about Ninjago, but it was up to me to like buy the first Ninjago set. Yeah. I just as easily could have bought bought the hot dog stand and maybe they would have fought. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure they could have found a way for the hot dog vendor to get a gun. (laughs) I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know what these toys are. (laughs) Okay. So, well, and I mean, okay. You don't have to explain it. I just think it's funny. No, I know. But I mean, they're ninjas. Like their whole thing is to fight literally. Yeah. Like actual, you know, they're they're like, they hit. That's what they do is they hit things because they're kicking and punching. Your story reminds me of the stereotypical girl example is the LOL doll, which are so popular these days. And I had never heard of these things until Caroline comes home from school talking about LOL dolls and how her friend has LOL dolls and they're trading LOL dolls. And they are these little plastic dolls um, with that are basically like sexy babies. They're so creepy. Um, They are diverse, though. They are multiple races. Um, They have giant eyes. Um, They all come with, like, a baby bottle. But they're wearing, like, teeny tiny clothes. And they're glittery. And, um... And they're and these they the girls in her class are obsessed with them. And the other thing is the packaging is horrible. It's so much plastic. And so we, um... She wanted them so bad, so we ended up giving her some for her birthday, and and then she like stole one from her friends, and then we had to give it back, and that was all dramatic. <laughs> and um, and so at first I was wondering if like I regretted that I should have just put my foot down and been like, no LOL dolls. Then we started talking about, it and I would talk to her about it, and like you know why I don't like them, and like be upfront, I don't like these. Like their eyes are super big, that is not normal. But then I felt bad about that because I'm like, then I'm just because one of I'm also criticizing their bodies and I don't know, that's kind of weird, <laughs> but she's also kind of grown out of it. So then I also wonder, it's like, if you force them to stop, are you making it into a thing? When yeah. It need to be a and thing? I guess, and I guess this is where like, so if we can move to the question of like, how do we be, so what do we do about this? So like, what are our takeaways? Like what are our lessons that we've learned? And, and I mean, I can summarize mine into a few, but the, I'll say the first one is, um, I feel like my role as a parent is to expose them to different types of toys and types of play styles while also listening to who they are and not trying to change who they are and what they want. So which is basically what you were saying earlier. So it's like, if they love to play with dolls and get dress up clothes, princess dress up clothes, that's fine. But we also make sure when we're giving them presents for Christmas and birthday, that we're also giving them things that they probably wouldn't go out of their way to choose. So like the train set or the race cars that needs some coaxing, but then they will actually play with it. So, so I think, so this exposure and making sure that what they are playing with, um, that they're getting exposed to different, to, to all sorts of different things. Yeah. I think that that is really important. I am trying to put off for as long as I can, any of the girl toys that are like, really really representative of like distorted body legos have this friends line Mm. that they designed for girls i was reading articles that it's like a huge money maker for them like it has been wildly successful this girls line and they studied girls to see how girls play of course you're like well do girls play the way girls play or was that shaped you know who knows um but anyway they're kind of racially diverse they have like skin color they're not yellow um which is its whole other thing like is yellow not white 
because it sure is a light color and there's a whole many people argue on different sides of that um i guess at least it's not caucasian legos it but anyway um so these are like different skin colors but they're very they're like skinnier than regular legos mm. and their legs don't bend like mm. they can't walk and their wrists don't turn so like i'm just not gonna buy those yeah like we have plenty of legos there's no reason for us to have I, i'm just i'm so aware of the body shaming thing like yeah. i will really fight hard for that for a long long time I yeah think. yeah so another way that I try and be intentional is, um, and maybe this is, is similar to the other one, is to just not, but don't put them in a box. Like, and I, I see people trying to do this with Caroline because she is really, she loves um, uh, dress up and she loves um, like rainbows and glitter and unicorns and things like that. But she's a multidimensional person. <laughs> like she, right, right. All of these other different angles. She loves building. She loves creating. And and I and and the sad thing is, is that we don't always associate those as being feminine. And that's so sad. Like yeah. I hate the term girly girl because I think, and this gets to my third point, which is to not devalue toys and play that is stereotypically associated with girls. Oh, and, I know, which is so hard. I feel yeah. like I've been I, and although I'm obviously devaluing all kinds of play. I'm like, but the way boys play sucks. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but well, anyway. that's okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, this has been a real lesson for me in all things raising girls is not devaluing things that are considered feminine. Um, clothes, um, you know, colors, pink, toys, dolls. Um, because I think that's we miss out on some of the real lessons that they are learning from that. And it just gives into this overall, I mean, that's what patriarchy is. It's devaluing things associated with women and, for, and associated with the feminine. Um, and I learned this lesson in particular when it comes to clothes because Caroline was never obsessed with a toy, like ever, one toy. What she was obsessed with was clothes. From like 18 months, started picking out her own clothes. And we have not picked out her clothes since. <laughs> she is very particular about her clothes. And she has is very like, the things she wears are kind of bizarre and all over the place to our eyes. But to her, they make perfect sense. Oh, yeah. She's got beautiful, lovely, wild style. Yes. And she would, she would wear like three tutus at a time. And she would wear all the strap, these dresses. She loved dresses with like straps on them, little strappy dresses. and. Um, and I think at first I was kind of like, oh my God, like ashamed almost. Like, why does she care so much about clothes? Like, this is so stereotypical. And then I read this little children's book. Um, there's these series of little mini books, um, by an author called Nikki Daly and all about, um, little kids who are artists. And one of them was, is called Ruby. And it's a little girl who, um, loves clothes and loves dress up. And this book described that as her being an artist. And I just had this huge aha moment. I was like, what have I been doing? She is being so creative. She is, this is her art. This is how she's showing Oh, I know. And art. she's so expressive. Yeah. In a way many children are scared to be. It, yeah. it is beautiful. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of embarrassing thinking back, but like, but really, really recognizing how I was devaluing that because, um, because it's associated with the feminine and like um 
so that's that's my other lesson is really trying to make sure that that when they are playing with dolls or whatever like that just not putting any judgment on it all it is what it is like it is it's what they like to do right play is play so yeah. yeah the other thing about the why it's really important to not devalue toys and play that is stereotypically associated with girls or femininity is because there are boys out there who do like to play with that. There are non-binary, gender non-binary people, children, who, 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 who want to play. Oh, I mean, oh, Lindsay, this we is didn't a even whole talk other about that. thing. I know, Miles, Miles and his, yeah. he, everything with him. Because, yeah. Because boys should be able to play with this stuff too. And actually, and one of the takeaways from that quiz that I, that quiz that I gave in the beginning about how as boys get older, they play with gender type toys increasingly. One of the potential takeaways was because there's increasing pressure on boys to not play with girl stuff. And the reason that is, is because as a society, we devalue that sort of thing. We devalue that. And we assume, and we often assume that, that the toys associated with girls and femininity are not uh educational like they're not on the same level as like legos or something because they're not building or even though they often are they are still creating stuff or they are they there are valuable skills being learned there and when we devalue those then it's um it just reinforces to boys that they discourages them from playing it and and um And boys should be able to play with those toys too if they want to. It goes without saying. It doesn't though. I don't know. And I think maybe we need to say that for another podcast. Yeah. Because, yeah. Like, then you get into not only do you need to, like, protect whatever it is your child is interested in. Boy, girl. Whatever they want to do, they should get to do it. Honestly. You have to advocate for it for with other families and other kids. Yeah. Like, I have huge regrets about not speaking up sooner to Miles' classmates about Miles' like interests because he would he definitely came home having been given some really clear signals that like what he wanted to play with was unacceptable, yeah. and it was really sad. And I eventually like reached my limit and texted all the moms and was like, "Hey, this is what happening with my kid," but it was too late. And I wish at the very very beginning I had been like, "Hi." we're coming. We're joining this daycare. Miles is going to want to be Princess Leia, not Darth Vader. And when he wants to be Princess Leia, I hope all your kids are going to totally accept that. Yeah. But I didn't do that because I didn't really know. And then it was really sad for him. Yeah. That is really sad. I'm sorry. But you, our children don't live in bubbles there's only so much we can control and that's really hard and I think that's one of again I don't have boys but I think that's one of the really unfortunate things about a patriarchy and how we devalue things associated with girls because then that means they're not good enough for boys and if boys play with those things then there's something wrong with them and that's just really wrong Right. And I see boys in tutus all the time and people looking at them funny or making comments and 
Yeah, it's really sad. Well, and I think that's one reason why I really want to believe that some of the play um, that boys do is innate and, and does like accidentally fall around gender lines because not for all boys, but for some boys is because then otherwise I'm like, oh man, the toxic masculinity has already hit. Like my five and seven year olds have already been indoctrinated. They're deep. Yeah. Well, let's put that out to our listeners. Listeners, we want to hear from you about how you have dealt with situations where, for example, if you have boys or gender non-binary children who are not playing in ways that are conform to gender stereotypes and have gotten pushback from people in their community or school, you know, how have you dealt with that? And if you have any other feedback or suggestions for us or for the community about how to, or other suggestions for how to be intentional about um, promoting play and supporting your children's play from a feminist perspective, please do share those with us. We'd love to hear more tips and lessons and especially from people of older children. Uh, let us know. So that we don't, yeah, we can have some warning. We catch some of this stuff in advance. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How will you take care of my friend Lisa this week? So I'm going to watch a movie about moms. And the reason this is self-care, well, so first of all, I just, I've been wanting to do this since Mother's Day. This was my like celebrate Mother's Day plan was to watch a movie about moms because I find that they always kind of take me out of my situation and just make me like, feel grateful and appreciative and they give me perspective and um you know if it's a good movie about moms obviously and I just haven't gotten around to it things have been so busy I have not been able to squeeze in a movie and I was gonna do like a big thing I was gonna watch like several movies in celebration of motherhood um so anyway so I'm gonna do that just one um there are some really good ones that I've already seen Tully I really want you to watch Tully so you can talk about it it's so good um, it's not necessarily uplifting. It's kind of a downer, but really good. Really might be your feminist crash next week. Um, but really any of them, like if you can maybe laugh a little bit about motherhood, I just think it's good. So I'm going to try to do that. That's great. For me, it's my birthday on Saturday. (gasps) Whoa. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Um, and on Sunday, so on Saturday, we'll do like family celebration stuff on Sunday. I'm going to go hang out with a friend on her, in her like outside area, yard and city, (laughs) city spaces. Um, yeah, I'm going to get to hang out with a friend, which I haven't done since coronavirus. 65 days. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to keep our six feet away and we'll be outside and not touch each other. So I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. That'll be lovely. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear what you think about this topic. Our website is mommingwellfeminist.com. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at mommingwellfeminist. Let's have each other's backs this week. And take care of yourself. (laughs) 